0: an introductory podcast last week. I heard Matt green, um, very well received, uh, Made me question if we needed you. Honestly, um, you know, I, I feel you. like I, I could have carried it on my own. But I really, here, so
1: I really, really, appreciate appreciate the insurmountable imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's what we want to do. Uh, my goal is to uh, emphasize any anxiety and stress you have about this uh, to make it more real. Okay, because this is the stress of emergency management. Wow. Well, um, so this is EM we'll, okay. Weekly, uh, officially EM Weekly relaunched. Yes. Uh, With our cool new branding and our cool new hosts. Um, And for those of you who listened to last week's episode, uh, we have not changed the format since then. We are sticking with two EM people talking about EM stuff while doing EM stuff. Uh, In fact, I believe Matt was literally receiving phone calls uh, about hurricane stuff up into the start of this conversation. So, yes, with that said, it is September 26th uh at 3 48 p.m and as of the last update uh there's, some eastern, stuff time. Brewing. there's some eastern, eastern time there's eastern eastern time that's right eastern standard time we are east coast uh folks um there's some stuff brewing there's some stuff brewing some scary stuff that i think as emergency managers we are locked on right now
1: yeah uh this looks like it's you know uh we're specifically talking about hurricane ian Um, It it is a storm that's brewing in the Gulf. Uh, We're right now operating off of what, uh, of course, the National Hurricane Center and the National Weather Service, um, incredible organizations. And we're very lucky domestically that we have such a robust uh, National Weather Service that's able to give the appropriate information at the right place, at the right time, the right way. For free, well, tax dollars, but for emergency managers, this is the best resource you're gonna get for free. Yeah, so we're still working, as of right now, I'm still working off the uh, key messages uh, uh, from 11 a.m. Yes. Um, there may have been another one issued. I don't have it in front of me. But that's all just to say that, you know, for emergency managers, we know what our CTA is, right? Uh, we're going to tell you the same thing that you're going to tell everybody else, which is, this is a life-threatening storm with life-threatening storm surge, Uh listen to your local emergency managers listen to national hurricane center guidance and uh if you're told to evacuate evacuate um don't mess
0: around with us um
1: so uh the
0: the the thing i think maybe people uh forget so i think there's this sort of perception that everyone in like the southeast is just like used to hurricanes which to degree i think a lot of people are uh there's much more exposure to tropical weather um however the particular area that right now is looking like it's going to get hit is Tampa, uh, the Tampa area, um, and I think that's Hillsborough County. Um, they've already started issuing evacuation uh, warnings, mandatory evacuation, um, because there's almost nowhere worse in Florida a hurricane could hit than Tampa, for a Why lot is of that? particular reasons. Uh, one is, it is super developed. I mean, right up to the water in a lot of locations. I just saw something that like a category one hurricane is going to, uh, with, you know, sort of standard category one hurricane, um, uh, storm surge will impact, um, about, uh, well, for instance, just, just Apollo beach, uh, which I I'm guessing is sort of a neighborhood or would be considered a neighborhood in a category one hur- hurricane they anticipate 77% of this area to be hit. Just Apollo Beach, that's a billion dollars in property. Wow. Um, so super expensive properties. This is all uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Times, which is the local um, you know, newspaper there, uh, has basically been tracking this for a while. Um, the other day they, they put out an article about the risks of Tampa Bay uh, here's another area that they talked about shore acres so thirty two hundred properties there uh, how much of it will flood in a category hurricane ninety eight percent and that's another one point four billion so just in these two neighborhoods we're talking over two billion dollars worth of damage potentially so uh, and that's only a category one hurricane um, so a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that we've got you know rising sea level uh, Tampa, i believe is just sort of particularly low um, as far as like the they kind of build right at sea level plus if i've never actually been to tampa um but i have a family that um i think have like vacation homes and stuff down there the whole area like there's tons of uh canals and stuff like that's how you get Mm -hmm. like in and out like everyone's got boats super connected to the water um but uh the potential for just Crazy damage uh, is, is everywhere in the city. Um, here's another one, Madeira Beach, 1,900 uh, properties, 98% will be impacted, uh, flooded from a Category 1, almost a billion dollars in damage. Um, and the other thing that's really challenging is the fact that Florida has um, a pretty serious uh, insurance crisis going on right now. Um, so insurance, like, is this just
1: flood insurance or is this?
0: No, I think this is, uh, just has to do with like the losses and like trying to recoup money, but, um, very, very high premiums on insurance plans, uh, that is putting people, um, into pretty tough, uh, issues anyways, um, on top of like now this, this huge risk. So, um, billions and billions of dollars worth of properties, obviously, who cares about the money ultimately like a lot of lives sure. uh, potentially the other thing is like a lot of uh, tampa has been built up relatively recently right the last time it's had a full landfalling uh sort of direct strike i believe was like uh 1912 or something or it's been over okay. 100 years uh so no one has that direct uh experience with a landfalling strong uh, hurricane Um, certainly there's been uh issues in the region um and florida again just being what it is um definitely has uh experience with this and the i'm sure the florida emergency management has been preparing and planning for something along these lines but oh for sure i've seen the messaging
1: even over the last few days it's it's been pretty robust
0: well uh the the thing that's just i don't know it's if if it continues on the track that it's at um you know it's hitting just one of the worst areas that could possibly be hit the other thing that i think has to be considered is the track right so um if it stalls anywhere if it shifts left or right um Mm -hmm. and in fact we reposted a story um from ken graham who's the director of the national weather service he did a a thing on disaster tough talking about little wiggles and how Mm -hmm. impactful those are um well in this case like i think it's going to be I mean we're talking the difference between you know maybe an area that could take the hit versus an area that can't which potentially means billions and billions of dollars in losses plus uh all of the risk to uh people um getting in and out of there so uh not not great um but there's still time like we're not at it like by the time you hear this it will have something will have happened We're this will come out on wednesday yeah Um, so we're going to be tracking this um i think as emergency managers, uh, especially EM Weekly, like what is what do you think right now? Like what are what are you doing if you're an emergency manager in the uh, in the path of this?
1: Uh, I mean, so of course it, this is all about communication. Uh, you can't communicate enough, and you can't communicate uh, in enough uh, vectors, venues, meeting people where they are. Um, I, I think Dr. Rick Nabb posted earlier on Twitter uh, that you know don't wait for mandatory evacuation. Yes. Um, You know, survivability is really all about understanding uh, if you are in an evacuation zone, understanding uh, if your area is going to flood, understanding your own vulnerability. Um, And the further you have to go to evacuate, the longer it's going to take, of course. So inform, you know, make sure you're informing your community as soon as you know what the call to action is. Um, Make sure that they have the information to make an empowered decision uh, and make sure uh, they understand when that window is going to close. Um, yeah and we're by the time you're
0: listening to this the window has closed uh you know you you might uh, maybe not maybe there's still some time but the thing is you're gonna get the road get on the road when the emergency response agencies are trying to stage stuff and get into areas national Guards going to be moving around roads are going to be closed you're going to definitely start to see the impacts if you have the means this is sort of like you know as a, if you're a business owner or you work from home or you have the means just let your people get out of there before, uh, they have to get out of there. Um, and worst case scenario, if, if you leave, you know, hopefully, uh, you've got, uh, you know, some vacation time or something you can take in worst case scenario, you just, you were out of town for a day or two. But, um, I think if you have the ability to leave, leave that also Brings up the point, like not everyone is going to have the means to leave. So you need to plan for those folks that can't. Certainly your vulnerable populations, you know, people who are, uh, don't have uh, homes, shelters uh, to to live in. Um, And I know most communities have a plan for sort of sheltering those types of folks. Um, But you also have hospitals. You've got long-term care facilities. You have uh, jails and prisons. You've got um, all sorts of facilities that you need to take into consideration. And those things take a long time to plan. Uh, so, I just finished the um, Five Days at Memorial uh, series. Uh, how video, how was that? Uh, it was good. It was it was certainly dramatic, um, but it was actually kind of nice. So I've, I read the book a long, long time ago. Um, and if you haven't read, read the book, especially as an emergency manager, you should. Because same type of scenario where, you know, uh, they thought – as a lot of people did during Katrina, that perhaps that they'd be able to get away from this unscathed, um, and that was not the case. And in fact, it was the compounding issue of you know like okay, the hurricane was bad, but they did fine. They they did great. It was actually the failure of the um, the levees later that flooded and and basically took out all of their life support systems, and then they had to make the decision. You know, I don't want to give it away because it's a it's tragic, but. I think it's really important to sort of get that shock value of what occurred there from reading or watching the series. But it was it was pretty good. Sure. Uh, but it was timely because obviously hurricane season has just, you know, basically finally fired off. We're kind of late in the year to to really have, uh, you know, to just start thinking about this, which can lead to some complacency and other yes. stuff. So.
1: so we're in an interesting place. Right. So we've had a relatively quiet the keyword uh, in the uh, we've had a quiet Atlantic. Um, but we're also coming off the tail of Hurricane Fiona striking yeah. Puerto Rico, where a lot of the practitioner messaging has been, uh, rightfully so, don't use the category of a storm to predict its impact. Yeah, because um, that really is—it's going to tell you the wind. It's going to—it's going to allow you to predict certain metrics, but certainly not how much the rain that storm is holding, if it's going to stick around, and and what the vulnerability of the region uh, it's passing over might be. So. What happens now when we have, you know, coming off the tail of uh, Category 1, Fiona saying, don't, don't stress too much about the category, but also, this next one is a major hurricane. Yeah, I believe and it's... And that needs to mean something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the concern is it could be Category 4 and potentially higher. So there's the environment that it's coming into, uh, low shear, tons of uh, energy just ready to be soaked up by the storm. Not a lot. Uh, Cuba in the way right now, and Cuba is probably being impacted as we speak, actually, like pretty significantly. Um, but not, it's not going to spend a whole lot of time over land uh, and kind of, you know, get dragged on that. Um, so, and potentially it could slow down. It, it, you know, if you look at the the sort of forecast uh, model, it looks like things are going to kind of hang out there. Uh, for a while. So even if it didn't get really strong, you're still going to have just tons and tons of storm surge and and heavy, heavy, heavy rain just dumping on this area that's already super vulnerable. Um, and Puerto Rico, by the way, uh, we had actually recorded another episode last week and talked extensively about Puerto Rico and ended up kind of putting it off because technical glitches, all this other stuff. Regardless, Puerto Rico got hit really hard. We have to certainly keep them in the back of our minds because uh, they're not out of the woods either. Like there's still significant power outages. Um, they're still dealing with all of the consequences of the um, two-plus feet of rain that they had. Um, and unfortunately, the, you know, the same kind of issues they ran into um, with this, uh, Hurricane Maria a few years ago um, are popping their heads up again.
1: Um, yeah, I, I did want to have a, a segment on this show uh, moving forward. And this is like technically episode one where yeah. we're, we're trying to self-organize as we do and, and have. We're
0: very serious. Like this is much more serious than I was kind of hoping we go into. But yeah. the job, man. Like sometimes it's just like you got to get in it. We're in it.
1: Yeah. I do want to talk about the politics a little bit of Puerto Rico and understand how, how it impacts response. Yeah. Um, uh, I do want to talk about the Jones Act. I, I want to talk about uh, my experience in Puerto Rico. I spent several weeks there uh, after Hurricane Maria and with an incredibly resilient uh, community. Um, I, I love Puerto Rico and I, I would love to get back there. Um, and it's it's terrible to see what they go through and, and, and it's terrible to see problems that uh, may have easier solutions than we're making here mainland um yeah. more challenging for them and and we passed laws a long long time ago to protect infrastructure to protect homeland security to protect um uh commerce and those laws and, and those acts right now are negatively once again impacting uh puerto rico as a territory um this can i, I should we bridge right into our our segment of- sure
0: i mean so hurricane Ian's happening uh, again uh real fast like communicate 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 uh I, I did a post on LinkedIn today. Uh document everything, communicate in the way. So if you're telling your family to get out, this is one thing that always drove me crazy. Like you have these emergency managers where they go on TV and they're like, we're thinking about it. You know, we're not quite at that point. But you know damn well that they've already told their families to pack up and split. Like if you're telling your family to leave, tell your communities to leave. Be honest, be open, uh, be very clear with that. Um, the other thing is because this area hasn't been sort of walloped in a while, um, they need to uh if i was an emergency manager i'd start reading after action reports like recent ones what failed what are the things that worked really well um particularly because again florida's had some significant impacts uh, over the last few years so there are some lessons learned you can draw from right there um don't start from scratch uh you probably have plans even even bad plans you know somewhere to sort of begin but um i really think it's it's important to learn you know from others who just went through it Um, and yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on Hurricane Ian. We'll certainly be talking about this next week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, so, uh, so again, Puerto Rico was recently hit, um, they're now recovering. So go ahead and talk about the Jones Act and and sort of the complications of that.
1: Yeah. I think that segment up top is what we're going to call the situation report. I think what's different from EM Weekly now than it had been in the past is I want to make sure that this is a contemporary update of what's happening in in the field right now. Obviously, Hurricane Ian is, is first and foremost. There are some cyber updates that uh, we'll provide in a bit that might end up being its own segment. Um, but I want to make sure that if you're going to tune in as a practitioner, um, we're going to provide some contemporary things. What's going on? What's going on in your neck of the woods, and what are um, opportunities to learn? Maybe we'll talk about some after-action reports, um, talk about uh, you know, who's doing what out in the field. Um, I know you guys covered a lot of this in in your yeah. initial episode with John. Well,
0: there's a lot of people doing a lot of things right now. You've got yeah, USR teams, you've got National Guard, you've got volunteer uh, organizations. Yeah, got, my, uh, my phone church. is
1: blowing up. Yeah, I'm um, sure. But... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the politics behind Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, a little thing called the Jones Act of 1920, which will be linked in our show notes. Uh, that's the first time I've ever been able to say that as a podcaster. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> um, so, as, as like, come and smash that like button. <laughs> I, for a while, I felt like the only 30-something left that didn't have a podcast. So here yeah, we are. You
0: were just secretly recording, like hoping that maybe it would find its way out onto the internet. Here we go. Official. Yeah.
1: I'm going uh, I was leaving voicemails that yeah. said, "Check, check the show notes." Don't My uh, wife
0: was just like, "You're, you don't stop talking. Uh, why not just shove a microphone in front of your face and maybe other people will be interested? Because right now I'm not." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, Jones Act. Um, Jones Act. Uh, technically this refers to section 27 of the Merchant Marine Act of 1920. We all know um, that. Yeah. We're all familiar yeah, with it. Obviously this, this hundred year old piece of uh, legislation, uh, was originally enacted, preserve national merchant sea lift, national m- merchant sea lift capability in case of war. So what this law requires is for ships carrying goods between us ports Um, to be U.S. flagged and at least 75% U.S. owned and operated. Um, And they must be assembled entirely in the United States and made from domestically made components. Um, So as I've read as far as the domestically made components go, there's been a lot of leeway as far as being able to buy foreign engines or foreign steel. Um, So there's already been a lot of leeway uh, with this particular act especially for commerce and for cruise ships that come to, they may leave out of Florida, they may land in Puerto Rico. Um, but then because they go to international ports, uh, they're able to uh, bypass this particular act. Um, so uh, a quick recap, it was meant to ensure that the um, that vessels were built here, protect the commerce and the ports of the United States, um, protect uh, homeland security and sea lift capabilities by saying, if uh, we need to move people we have these specific ships, and if we need to move cargo, we have these ships that are uh, built appropriately to assist and managed domestically to assist in, in So that means there must be, like, what, thousands of ships uh, yes. that are capable of this? Uh, of course, and if by that you mean 99. There are 99 of these ships currently according to Like the, in the whole world yeah uh, specifically the country because they can only be made here and, <laughs> right, and owned yeah. here. <laughs> so if we were talking 99 globally qualifying ships, yes, 99 qualifying ships and what that means is Puerto Rico has to spend um, an exorbitant amount of money to uh, use this these ships and also they have a very limited supply and also it's uh, increasingly and limited availability too,
0: right like it's not like they just all pause uh,
1: unless they have right to right under certain requirements. Yes, so these are 99 ships that are, um, you know, they have their own interests. Um, So uh, this particular act was waived actually after Hurricane Maria, but only for 10 days. Um, We've done no such thing yet in the wake of Hurricane Fiona. Um, so these are this is something that as emergency managers and as far as emergency management reform or or taking a look at how we can help uh, the citizens of our country uh, this is something we should keep an eye on and and maybe something that we as emergency managers need to dive a little deeper in uh, more than what Matt can tell you on a podcast we're going to yeah. link um, the actual details here um, but it really it, it limits Puerto Rico's choices um, it's driven up costs. Um, And uh, according to a 2015 report, it's driven up costs at least twice as high as neighboring islands to just get the essential items they need to respond to and recover um, after these storms. Uh, So as practitioners, I want to make sure that we're aware of these things. And if we're able to provide advocacy to uh, help Puerto Rico or or any uh, territory or state in need, uh, let's do it. Let's talk about what our options are.
0: Yeah. And I also think people need to understand, like, I think a lot of people think, well, it's an island. We'll just do a lot of airlift. Airlift is slow, super expensive, uh, pretty limited uh, in capacity. You know, it's great to get teams in and out of areas. And I know we can get USAR teams and stuff there pretty quickly, um, but it's not how you're going to recover an island. Like you need just tons of stuff, Uh, power equipment. You know, you're not gonna be able to load enough power equipment onto C five. So you're just gonna be doing nonstop flights and and again, those aircraft also have other missions and stuff. It just complicates things. So it's really, really important. Um, hopefully by the time this comes out even Wednesday, more power will be back on there. I know it's it's being turned on in pretty large chunks as it moves down the island and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is great. But um and it's an island, it's a you know, it's a tropical paradise, but it also means that it's it's hot there. So like yeah refrigerating your food and and stuff is is pretty important medications and uh hospitals and stuff so power power is a uh, a critical thing obviously it's uh it's like the the lifeline that none of us can do without sure um all right so that's the hurricane situation we know uh we'll, we'll definitely be back uh on that next week um but yeah some interesting stuff with cyber attacks one that specifically matt you were impacted by yes. recently. Um, i'm the victim here yeah matt is the victim and he's gonna tell his story um and uh yeah actually before we start that why don't we play uh, our ads and then uh, we'll be right back How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. So your products offer the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, water, and injuries. Everything from insect repellents to water filtration. The filters are used in disaster situations all over the world. So whether you're in the back country or in the backyard, check out sawyer.com to learn more. And we're back.
1: <laughs> are we sponsored by a meal kit yet?
0: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, no. We're sponsored by everybody. Um, I want to get, yeah. So if you're interested in sponsorship, like we would love to have you sponsor, uh, EM weekly at DobermanEMG.com, or hit us up on social media, honestly hit us up on social media. I'm, I'm pretty active on social media. Um, we are looking for sponsors. We also want stuff. I want to play with stuff. So if you've got toys that you're, you want to show off and gadgetry, um, I want to break it. Uh, it's like my favorite thing. I have so many gadgets. It, uh, I want to it's break so your gadgets. Yeah, Zach lots Borst, of tools, lots of toys. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we have our sponsors, but we want more sponsors and we want stuff, uh, to review. So uh, and we're we're active emergency managers. So, for instance, I'm also uh, on the state uh, USAR team, uh, and I've been getting a lot of heads up emails about stuff going on. So, uh, maybe cool stuff I can I can bring out in the field and and play with it. But, anyways, um, the cyber attack. Uh, everything is cyber now. Like it's all cyber. So, as emergency managers, you can no longer like hand this off to like the IT person and be like. This is your problem, not my domain.
1: Uh, yeah, it
0: is 100%. Every every disaster essentially is a cyber disaster at this point. You're going to have uh, communication vulnerabilities, uh, telecom vulnerabilities, uh, as things are going off and online. You know, exposure. Like literally, like if you have a data center that's destroyed or damaged, you know, it could be just hard drives with stuff on it. Um, I think it was uh, Morgan Stanley just got like some 200 million dollar fine or something because they threw away a bunch of old computers that had people's data on it um so this is stuff that like when you're in the recovery and even response phase you need to be aware of and matt recently was in his own situation where he got uh impacted
1: (laughs) yes uh once again uh of course i'm the real victim here um and disclaimer 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 just as we are not meteorologists I can't speak today. Words are so hard. Just like we're not meteorologists, there's more vowels in there. It's fine. I don't Um, think
0: people listening to a podcast care if you can speak.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Just as we're not weather experts, we're also not cyber pros. Uh, We just wanted this to be a standing piece of understanding for the industry I, I think it's something that we have to keep as a, a standing um, segment here uh, and continue to drive awareness so this is your awareness level um, cyber news for the week um, i tried to get a marriage license um, so i went to the suffolk county new york this is like two week, two or so weeks ago yeah. now yeah um i went to the suffolk county uh Long Island, New York, uh website, I went to the quirks uh website and it wasn't there. And I was like, of course, of course the thing that I need, the county just doesn't care. The county just doesn't care about me and me getting married. Um and then I later in the day learned that this was a massive cyber attack that impacted uh the Suffolk County 911 system um and all I'm of like, I
0: don't care. I like, need something. But
1: what about time? Yeah. Me. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go to my town right down the road. I yeah. want to go to the website.
0: Car or walk?
1: Yeah. In this so, economy, right? <laughs> so, um, this is still ongoing, and yeah. and it's getting worse. And as we learn more, um, we we start to learn about the actual impacts of a what happens when organized crime uh, takes to organized cyber crime. Um, so this was a a ransomware group. Um, and as of today, as of the 26th, I just read the the update that uh, they've threatened to release 400 gigabytes of county and contractor data. Um, and this is coming off the tail of at least 37 other local governments in the United States having been hit by ransomware just in 2022 alone. Um, Suffolk County does not have cyber insurance. Um, yeah, so they've paid... Um, from what I've read, and, and we'll we'll link uh, our receipts in the show notes, but uh, they've paid uh, about six and a half million on cyber uh, investments and their uh, infrastructure since 2019. So at least they're, they're
0: investments in, which is yeah, a lot of places can be. So. And I th-
1: and I think they were working with an association of counties to try to obtain cyber insurance. But yeah. what I what I understand is that they weren't able to do that prior to this attack. Yeah. Um, so that leaves a ton of vulnerabilities and it looks like uh, this group has recently uh, posted an image from some of Suffolk County's backup files and as far as uh, those being disabled through their vendor and uh, it's really interesting to see how far this group is able to get into local government. Um, and it's horrifying because if, if they didn't have a redundancy in their 911 systems and able to revert back to uh, other means of dispatching uh, fire and rescue and ems and police you know what would that have left us yeah um,
0: yeah i mean uh uh i have used uh several radio systems uh you know helped design actually a dispatch center where you know we, a lot of the radio system uh, relied on it infrastructure to function so your repeaters and stuff are no longer usually connected by radio. Uh, you know, it's usually through some sort of, uh, you know, fiber or, or some other, you know, just IP-based system um, because it's cheaper and, and honestly more reliable than uh, and less complex. However, um, maybe not less complex, but it seems less complex for me because I didn't have for to some. actually do the design. But Sure. <laughs> uh, you know. It's there's there's a lot of redundancy built into IP based systems that a radio one doesn't. So your you're, uh, you know repeater uh, antenna pointing at you know or whatever you're uh, pointing at your repeater and the antenna gets damaged now it doesn't work. Where like you know IP can just sort of like bounce around to different nodes and figure it out and make it work. Um, so the other the the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is the fact that like governments can't they're not super agile when it comes to purchasing stuff. Um, So it makes it really hard to keep up with stuff. So the fact that like, it sounds like they were at least in investing pretty heavily. If you know, six point five since twenty nineteen. I mean, that's a huge county with tons and tons of people. So I don't know what that like sort of equates to, uh, if that's like, a yeah, good investment uh, or not enough. But it seems like a good amount of money.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know where that adds up, like as far as uh, other counties ranking. Um, yeah. As far as how many, how much they've invested, and I don't know what was made prior to twenty nineteen. Yeah. It's just what the article has to offer. But yeah, but I mean, it doesn't. Mean- <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like a small no, no. investment.
0: No, and as an emergency manager, I think uh, I have also been in the situation where I've received the phone call from dispatch and said like, "Hey, our our radio stuff isn't working," and we were like, "Okay, like small agency, so super easy to like resolve. We're just like, we're gonna go to it handheld then. Maybe it's the console, maybe something else. So we'll just figure it out. Like we're all close by, we can make it work." Um, but for a county nine one one system, you know, they don't have that luxury. So you're gonna get the call, you know, and it's gonna be scary. So. In this case, you know, hopefully, you can send out a mass notification of some kind uh, and let the, you know, your folks know that nine down. Give them the local numbers to to call if they need help. Um, but you know, if this is a, a serious serious attack, depending on um, what they're actually attacking, if they have like credentials and stuff, they could also get into your mass notification system and kill that off as well.
1: Um, so, I mean, or or worse, send uh, a conflicting message sure, or yeah.
0: And then it gets down to like all right what do we do now like if you have a giant voice system or pas you know you're gonna do that uh can the state back you up and do stuff uh probably new york they have a pretty good um you know system in place uh there's there's some redundancy i think up at the state level that they could potentially send some stuff out on your behalf Um, but either way it's not a situation you want to find yourself in Um, but when you're designing your plans especially your continuity plans. Uh, you need to make sure that you're taking into account that uh, your marriage license may not be available because uh, everything is, is down. So have the backups. Uh, sure. I'm still heavy into to technology. I, I love technology. I think we maybe make it seem like it's more vulnerable than it is. Um, but in this case, clearly it didn't work out. So.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and people don't realize that, you know, something as simple as a marriage license could delay the ability to get health insurance benefits. Yeah. Right. It can it can delay a whole lot of actually essential things rather than what could just seem as a, a superficial um, thing that someone might want to yeah. marry their I mean, fiance. Like,
0: if you're going through the effort of getting married, like the least you can do is get your license. You know, I mean, that's kind of like the bare minimum. Uh, and if you can't do that, that's really frustrating. Uh, on that same sort of note, uh, I took the dive. Uh, so I, I was uh, looking to upgrade my phone. I've been an Android person forever. Right now. I know, whatever. It's, you, people are either love or hate it. I was always Android and PC. Uh, I have been sort of uh, paying attention a lot to the recent Apple launch uh, stuff with their new technology. Heavy focus on security, but then also heavy focus on a lot of safety stuff. Uh, so I'm all in. I'm an Apple guy now, except for my, I'm still going to my gaming computer. Um, but, and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Apple is not quite there yet. Um, and sh- and shout out to Gary Oldman, who's been like posting stuff on LinkedIn for all their new stuff. But um, this type of situation is going to get even more complex because, uh, you know, as radios go fully IP based and or you don't even use radio. So uh, my last uh, full time emergency management job. I could reach the radio on, how did I just turn my light on? See, I'm still learning this, uh, these Apple devices, these newfangled uh, Apple devices. Um, the, uh, all of my radio stuff was run from, like I could run it from my uh, telephone. So we had a Motorola system that was uh, connected um, via the, um, the interwebs. Uh, and I could switch between like our P25 system and our Moto Turbo system and it was awesome. Uh, you know, now you can carry that all on, on your Apple Watch if you want to and communicate like that. And then what you're gonna see is police and firefighters and EMTs now. Uh, these data systems, you know, they're great for communicating. They're also getting really good at tracking your health. So if you're inside a burning building, you can monitor your folks and make sure that you don't have someone that's having some sort of cardiac issue, or you can even you know, kind of automate the system and say, well, this person's been exerting himself for this long at this level they need a break. You got to get them out and get somebody else in there. Um, so imagine now your whole, all of this stuff is is you're you're relying on this stuff in in a response, and now it's taken over. Now, thankfully, again, one of the reasons I actually moved to Apple is the fact that it's a much more secure environment, uh, at least from what I understand. Uh, and all my cyber security geek friends have been trying to like get me to convert for a long time. So I trust them. Um, But we as emergency managers need to be both uh, willing to embrace new technologies and at the same time uh, be well-versed enough to deal with the failures. Um, And that doesn't mean like go out and just like have paper backups of everything, not a terrible idea, Um, but I am a huge proponent of using technology, especially when funding is tight, maybe you can't get people, uh, you know, extra help in your um, EOC using technology to sort of augment yourself is is one way of you know being more effective at your
1: job well um, let's let's talk about the emergency operations center because sure. i think i think we there are certain segments of the industry that are are really large proponents of it but i think cyber professionals um are long overdue to receive that invite to yeah. understand how the emergency operation uh, center operates um and at the same time uh, you know Allow emergency managers to sit into, um, uh, you know, the, the cyber equivalent, um, at least help us to collaboratively understand the language. Um, when we're talking about cyber threats and we're talking about uh, intrusion, um, I think as far as especially when it starts to touch public infrastructure, yeah. uh, we have to be on the same page. We have to be speaking that same language.
0: Which means training and exercising with your folks there there's some great training uh teeks uh i know has a bunch of training on um sort of interfacing uh your cyber operations with your emergency operations um but don't rely on other people like just call your whoever your it person is whether it's like in-house or you have like a contract or something bring them into the eoc so they're familiar with it and and try to get them to take some of the uh basic ics stuff so at least there's kind of talking the same language as you um i at my uh one of my jobs we exercised all the time with our it folks we always made sure they were in there they were part of our um our emergency operations group which is like sort of also it's like the eoc team but it's also where we come together and like kind of do our internal policies and discussions and trainings and stuff um and we had a couple situations where we were attacked. Um, fortunately they were able to sort of respond and protect it, but they knew to call, uh, us, um, immediately and say, Hey, we're, we're under attack right now. Um, so we need to sort of respond to this as though, you know, it was, uh, you know, physical security concern or something they're in our system. So, um, yeah, so exciting stuff. Uh, I mostly am just, uh, enjoying all of just the gadgetry uh of the apple stuff it's new toys and i um I'm pushing it as much as I can. Uh, I also like just data. I love looking at data and collecting data, and the amount of like health data now that I have. So I, can, oh yeah. like, as I'm like exercising, I'm like kind of able to track stuff. At, you know, my runs, like where where it felt like it sucked.
1: You know, the data
0: to correlate that.
1: Uh, I've historically been very bad at sleeping. I I, yeah. I do have issues I think that's with an sleep.
0: Man. Yeah, we drink too
1: much caffeine and uh, can't stop thinking. Yeah, caffeine and trauma. Yeah. Um, what a so- <laughs> I've had uh, a, a, for a long time and just being able to, I actually, I wear my Apple Watch to sleep. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the big reasons I bought it. Um, and it's just been essential in understanding. And I have one of those apps. I, I, I'll i maybe plug it in the show notes. Um, maybe they'll sponsor us. Um, I have one of those Apple, apps.
0: <laughs> I'm looking at you directly in the camera. Please sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> listen, you converted me. And but, uh, Gary is a big part of that. Give him a raise.
1: Well, there you go. Shameless. Um, So I have one of those apps that learns as it collects my data and gives me better advice on when to go to sleep and what to listen to. And it monitors like the decibels and the brightness and just gives me like quality metrics of how much sleep I'm getting and how good that sleep actually is. Um, Everything from my oxygen to heart rate. And it's it also records me <laughs> as I sleep. Oh, um, nice. So it usually finds it like it records like the last like 15 minutes of whatever I'm like listening to to fall asleep yeah. to. Um, it, it catches me laughing and to like Arrested Development or something. Like that. right? That's yeah, it's usually it's it's John talking about the difference yeah. between readiness and symptoms. preparedness. Yeah.
0: Sardina reads you to sleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sleep stories with John. Um, I love the calm app. Uh, I do. Uh, I'm a oh, big yes. fan of that's the COM app
0: yeah. as well. Um, uh, that- yeah, so there, all right. So well, this will be our sort of final discussion point, uh, of the day. Um, and, uh, so the other thing I think that's, uh, super important about this. So emergency managers, so like firefighters, I, I've been a firefighter. I was an EMT. I even did some time as a cop. There's actually a pretty, uh, heavy emphasis, especially in the fire service now of like taking care of yourself and like they're doing all sorts of like new stuff to try that so like there's yoga and meditation and like breathing stuff in firehouses now like you know where oh my god i can't even imagine when i first joined the fire department if i was like you guys want to do yoga with me uh i would have been ostracized so fast Now we have uh, much smarter uh, chiefs and officers uh, who are like, I'm not going to like beat myself up like uh, every other generation. Like we need to take care of ourselves.
1: Oh, we're we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about emotional intelligence. We're gonna talk about psychological safety.
0: Yeah. So, uh, well, emergency managers don't necessarily have their hands in the trauma in the same way that I did as a firefighter and EMT, you have a lot of vicarious trauma and you have a lot of just that anxiety of like, you're spend all day, every day thinking about what are the worst things that can happen in my community. Um, and again, using this technology, you can kind of track that stuff, um, down to like, you know, yeah, you're in the middle of the meeting and you're like, something is happening here and you can, you're getting alerted on your watch. Like, oops, I'm like, freaking out i'm having either you know, like some sort of anxiety attack or panic attack or like recognizing this and trying to like identify that stuff so that you can work on it um health issues are huge emergency managers uh you know kind of we're not active necessarily right i'm I of diamond. my way to to be active um and exercise uh i try to run and and just in my office i do push up sit-ups i have a kettlebell next to my desk i try to stay active and just keep moving um, but as a as a field, we are not historically that active. And, and it's because we you know, we kind of have a, the desk job of emergency response. Um, so understanding uh, the impacts of that on your health is really important. Um, and these new technologies can remind you, get up like I, my phone or my watch notifies me at least every hour. Stand up. And, you know, it sets goals for me. Go
1: walk. Can I, uh, I, can I tell you that yeah. t- as someone who's short? I'm a short person. Um, I have. As someone tall, I'm listening. I have. have, I'm up here, though. I have talk up. Yeah, let me. I've taken my watch off in anger when I am standing and it tells me it's time to stand. (laughs) Come on, little Matt, Get up. It has. It has. It has happened to me. I actually, I, I'm pretty sure that's the reason I no longer have my first Apple Watch is because I was in an emergency operations center. We were like three days into some winter storm. Yeah. And my phone's like, my, my watch was like, time to stand up. I was like, I haven't sat down today. No, man. You need to
0: get up. You're right at chair butt height. I, I can tell. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean... I'm tall. So I wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, it sounds like a real problem. Um, yeah. But we represent both ends of the spectrum of the height uh, in emergency management and
1: so of the hairline you know, of emergency. That's management. True.
0: Yeah. Um, for those of you who are not on the visual uh, side of this, uh, Matt is aerodynamic. Um, so he has, he has no hair on a top of the side, I, so I can be more clear, but yes.
1: I, I, I always say that no one took me seriously in emergency management until I shaved my head. Now, now my phone won't stop ringing.
0: <laughs> the hair was honestly holding you back.
1: It you was. Know? It was.
0: Uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, so technology and gadgets is going to be a huge component of the, our future discussions. Um, IT is definitely going to be a huge component. Um, so, again, the takeaways from today... Uh, make sure you're, you're doing your messaging, Uh, make sure you're compassionate and you're open and you're honest. Uh, Don't be afraid to uh, tell people what they need to hear. Um, And just think like, I I like to use the, the, the sort of um, what would I, what am I telling my family right now? If I'm telling my family that they need to get out, that probably means that I need to tell my community within reason, obviously like uh, coordinate your messaging and stuff with everybody. Um, But just when you're in the midst of a disaster, it, uh, emergency management—I I footstomp this all the time. Like communication is almost the most important part of our job um, because we can't do anything if people don't listen to us or we're not communicating clearly. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, with this other stuff, um, we want to like learn from you all as well. So like we're we're not experts in everything. Um, so as we're talking about the stuff, like if there's someone who's a Jones Act expert and can provide information, like we want to know about that, um, we're happy to listen to PIOs. I've done the PIO role at all levels of government, um, not federal, um, but state, local, county. Um, I've got to serve in those roles. Uh, so communication I feel pretty confident on. Um, I'm, I'm working on my Apple experience. So Apple, you know, when you sponsor us, we can have one of your folks on to sort of talk about this. But um, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up um take care of yourselves uh take care of your communities like subscribe give us five stars give us two thumbs up uh high five us if you see us in the hallway uh you can buy me a beer when we're at the conferences uh i'm happy uh to chat over drinks um although to stay healthy i have cut back on beer um uh, but that's mostly because i found out that there's less carbs in whiskey so
1: let uh, this be your reminder. Let this be your Apple watch reminder to stand yes. up. Take stand a up. walk.
0: yeah. and uh, we will be back next week. Uh, thanks Matt. episode one.
1: All right. we Good. meandered we we made there little wiggles right a little, w- the little we, wiggles. Uh, <laughs> we meandered, but we made it. We're back and uh we'll we'll talk to you next week. See you later.